Welcome to In This New Season, where we're learning this life again and again. Let us tell you about our friend, Emily Howard. Emily is a visual artist on PEI, and she makes the most stunning landscape pieces. And there are several that when I've looked at them, I truly felt like my heart was moved to its very mm. core. Oh, so <laughs> it is all about soothing the soul by looking at her work in such a busy world. She also wrote and illustrated the most stunning book called The Morning We Met, and it follows a baby's journey to find its parents. I know, I could cry. (laughs) This um, book honors all the different ways that babies come to us, and every parent's journey is so different, beautiful, and meant to be. It's like, oh, that's so true. So gorgeous. Emily's website is emilyhowardart.com. You can also find her on Instagram at emilyhowardart. Welcome to In This New Season. We are so excited to have a very special guest today, Nick Gaudio, who is a very good friend of mine and somebody who came to mind when I thought, who could we interview about the job of being a dad? He is just somebody who I love being around. He's married to one of my good friends. He has two young kids and he just has a kind of loving open presence that just made me so excited to talk to him today. So thank you for being here, Nick. We're so excited. Thank you for having me. Thank <laughs> what you. What an intro. <laughs> I know. I'm a big fan of Nick. Oh, yes. She is, she's a big fan I'm of you. me blush. <laughs> <laughs> Will you just tell us and our listeners a little bit about you, just to give us some context. Who are you? Where are you? What are you doing? All the things. Yeah, I'm uh, so unlike you two, I'm, I'm in Toronto. Uh, so uh, you were mentioning this is our first uh, uh, test podcast, uh, Zoom wise. So, uh, apologies if the audio is not right there. But um, yeah, I'm uh, a dad. Uh, I have a four and a two year old. Um, I Italian, as Gaudio being the last <laughs> name, um, as you could probably tell. Uh, and I'm married to the most incredible woman, uh, Brittany, who I know Kaylee, you and Britt have have a lot of history together uh, yes. from your days. Uh, it was a we right yeah Prince so we used to work together yeah, in toronto yeah. yeah um and so she has been kind of you know my rock and my core um especially navigating parenthood to be mm-hmm. honest uh so past two years have been a bit of a four years i guess have been a bit of a whirlwind um aside from that uh i work in toronto for you know a landlord downtown who owns a bunch of buildings so a lot of my work involves doing construction within those buildings to keep the buildings running um so work is a little crazy home life's a little crazy <laughs> and, you know two dogs as well so the oh, fact that i'm still person. relatively <laughs> sane I, I i tend to you know pat myself on the back for that how people tend to have three or four i give them every ounce of credit i would never <laughs> be able to do that so uh yeah a little bit about me that Amazing. tell tell us about some of your side projects that you and brett have taken Ooh, on yes um, so I'm sure, you know, those who, who know Brittany and I, I think we both have this combined synergy of some sort of ADHD going on. Uh, we cannot sit. We need to be doing things constantly, uh, sometimes to our detriment. And uh, we are currently, we, we decided, I would say, in 2021, yeah, but almost two years ago, uh, we decided to buy a parcel of land up north in Halliburton, about three hours north of Toronto. Um, we are going to sit, you know, use it for some camping um, and really just kind of own that land and eventually build. Well, you know, um, I guess impatience got the better of us on that. And so we started building that winter. Uh, and so we Classic. were both yeah, uh, full time jobs, kind of being the general contractor on this build three hours away. Uh, and it was a little on the stressful side uh, for the better part of a year. Uh, 
you know, thankfully all the trades are done. Now we're just kind of finishing interior stuff. So we, we've been doing that. Uh, we've been renovating the house as well, where we can. Obviously, focus has now been been from north, um, but we kind of always had the eye to take on some side things. You know, not necessarily to make money. I think, you know, for this is more of a family investment, um, but certainly took off more than we could chew at points and, mm -hmm. and lived a little bit through regret, to be honest, to the point where I think we just wanted to like call it quits and just put it for sale. So I take it as, as it is. Kind of thing. Uh, my, one of my favorite things about you is you're just so transparent and honest and, and wholehearted in everything you do. And I just think about how your partnership made it through doing that, like that would have really put some things to the test and really forced your hand at getting your communication skills <laughs> sorted. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's a great point. I think with this cottage build, uh, we had two young kids. We've, you know, this mountain of, of debt trying, you know, obviously buying that parcel of land and finding a new build. It's a lot. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's not a lot because we've done it actually you know, pretty cheaply, all things considered. Um, but you know, taking on that type of risk is is really terrifying. Mm -hmm. More so for Brit than myself. My, you know, where my scarcity comes in is would be, um, you know, is it going to be the vision that you know she kind of wanted in the design? Is it going to be the vision, meet the vision that we wanted for our family? That that's where I, I think, were was most apprehensive and, and scared about. Uh, mm -hmm. For Brit, it was more the financials because mm -hmm. obviously, you know we can make the design work based on the interior stuff, et cetera. But you can only do that if we have money left over. <laughs> by the way, the, the pool was draining. It was going too fast. So, uh, you know, I think um, it, in terms of our relationship, um, you know, it, it obviously you've survived and, and, you know, we're doing well. And um, it, I would say there were points where it was very difficult and communication was key and we needed to both take a second to just breathe and yeah. in some cases just kind of turn a blind eye to whatever was uh you know creating that anxiety anxiety for us um uh, but ultimately like we knew that we always had an out we could always just put a for sale sign take it as is you know recoup our money we've, we've been kind of strategic that way mm -hmm. um but the communication, I think, has been the biggest, I would say, um, lesson learned in all of that. Mm -hmm. Just being really open and honest, making decisions together. If there was a decision that involved, you know, money to be spent either by a trade or a trade wanted more money than he originally quoted or whatever that looked like, you know, we were, it wasn't just me calling the shots being, you know, the construction expert. We both looked at it we learned all the information then we both made a decision together but that took like a good four months into the build to kind of come to that conclusion that that was so yeah, feeling unified before that, would it, help there yeah. was a lot of turbulence wow i'm just i think that's incredible <laughs> i could talk about this part all day i do i want you to tell us about what just what was it like adding kids to the mix for you like when you've when your first born your mm -hmm. son hudson was born how did that transition go for you the first I, I found i mean i think i've heard this from others as well but my experience is like that first baby is a complete culture shock it is you don't know what the hell has just happened all of a sudden you went from being able to make a decision hey i'm going to go you know go up the street and hang the bar for a second or uh, you know i'm going to just go run to wherever like that's not happening anymore um and on top of that you're not sleeping mm -hmm. you can't you know, think straight because you're so sleep deprived. Um, and now this, you know, your partner is kind of stuck to this human. Um, so I think 
that that transition from being you know double income no kids to now you know single income plus i guess maternity ei whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, plus hudson um a really big shock uh for me the biggest thing was kind of seeing brit take on that role and the stresses that come along with that um for me the hardest part about it was i was pretty much a vestigial feature in the house i had no skin in the game when it kept to you know keeping hudson alive i couldn't naturally feed him right yeah biologically speaking and um Kind of that helplessness where you go from being a key contributor and kind of co-owner of of every decision now to, you know, it's all about the baby and our job is to keep, you know, him and them alive. Um, And so we really kind of siloed that to Brit, you know, look after Hudson and my job was to look after Brit. Mm. Um, And I think once we made that delineation, it helped. Mm -hmm. Did that take a while to, to get to that understanding with each other? Did it take long? Yeah. Oh, um, no, I think we kind of chatted about that previously. Britt has friends who've, who's had, like, she has a couple friends who have had little kids. Um, my sister recently, like, you know, 11 months prior, had her daughter. Um, and so uh, I think we've seen other couples go through it. And we've chatted about, you know, how we're going to divvy it up. I think we weren't ignorant to the fact of our, our role once a baby comes. Um, but obviously, in theory versus yeah. mm-hmm. in practice is very different. And I've always said, you know, right from... When she was pregnant, uh, we are prepared, but we're never going to be ready. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. Uh, and so it was. It was a bit of a shock to the system. And then you know, once you get out of like the two or three month fog, um, things start to liven up. You have your first five hour bank of sleep, and you feel like a completely new person. <laughs> yeah. You know what happened to the baby? How are we sleeping five hours? <laughs> How do we do that again tomorrow? Um, I think that's such but, a good point that in theory yeah. you're on board and then in reality, emotionally, that that delineation of roles of of my job is to care for Brit and her job is to care for the baby could have felt, um, did like, what did that feel like? Did, how did you, do you remember processing that in the beginning? Yeah. I mean, I think of, as a dad, you know, with my personality, I, I really enjoy kind of this is going to sound really, I don't know, however it sounds, but like, I like having a certain amount of control. Like that, Mm -hmm. that's what brings me comfort, being able to make, you know, make decisions and um, being able to understand what to do. Like I've, I've, since I've been a kid, I've always kind of been, been like that. Um, But with a baby, there's no control. (laughs) So um, I think that was one of the hardest parts. Uh, And then on top of that, um, you know, just your, your emotions, because now, you know, you're, your partner, uh, and then, you know, Mikey Sprit, who's, who's always just rock solid. She, you know, is now, um, a different person. She's a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a really hard role in being a mom. And so watching her make that transition is difficult. I mean, it's, it's amazing, but it's also difficult because there's a lot of emotions and there's, you know, hormones and there's babies crying and you're sleep deprived. And, uh, you know, this person who is, who is a very different person a week ago now as a mom, it is, uh, vastly different. Um, that and again, not sense, in a bad yeah. way, uh, but just in a way that is different and, and her role has changed in the world essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who um, you knew it's like you, the transition's gigantic for everybody because it's like mm-hmm. who you knew to be your partner, she's going through such a transformation. So then the entire relationship has to transform. Yeah, there's like a yeah. mourning period. Like it's a really lovely period, but there's also like that mm-hmm. mourning 
of missing that person. And I'm it's never just you two again. It's mm-hmm. not yeah. And for Britt, mm-hmm. I'm sure too. I, I know for myself it was I was like mourning who I was before. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. husband was mourning who I was before, you know? Like even though we were both happy with who I had become, there's mm-hmm. still that like yeah. it's a hard it's a hard a hard transition. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, it was. Like I I'm always gonna be of the opinion that the transition, I think, for moms is harder for dads. And that's strictly because, you know, biologically speaking, it's it's much more of a change. Your your body mm-hmm. is fundamentally changed. Your um just the way you, you know, even your your hormone balance is, is fundamentally changed as mm-hmm. soon as you have a baby. And so um, you know, for me, hormones stayed the same. My body didn't go through, you know, trauma to to bring a baby into this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think I have such a deep respect for my partner that I'm kind of with her in in that sort of aspect. And as you mentioned, mourning is, I think, a really good word for it. Mm-hmm. Did you go back to work right away? Um, I took two weeks. No, I actually took a week off um, intentionally because I knew, you know, for the first, I would say, three months, uh, me being at home would just be, I mean, I was also kind of working from home because I was a project manager at the time. I would go to sites and then come right back home type of thing. So I had that flexibility, which is great. Um, But I intentionally took four months uh, when Hudson was, I think, I want to say five months old. Um, I took like a a four-month kind of parental leave. Um, at four months in my, like, you know, he's interacting with me and we can, we can play a little bit more than him just being, you know, a potato on a couch kind of sitting there. <laughs> um, and so that was, I think, really impactful was that four months with Ellery. I didn't get that, that time cause I was in a new job and I, I took two weeks off. Um, but it was also a pandemic. So I was at home, mm-hmm, so, right? right? Mm-hmm. I played that as well. Um, and so I took the time I, I would recommend it to every dad like it was a time where we just like connected as as you know father and son type of thing um or father and child um and that really allowed me to understand like get a glimpse because Brent and I then had a month off together and then she went back to work for the last three months um and so I mean obviously she was still like feeding him and stuff like that but the primary care kind of felt felt to me for those three months and it was very eye-opening, and, and I would recommend every dad mm-hmm. on a connection level, but also just like an appreciation level. No, was she home uh, when that was happening? Like, was, was she home, home at the same time? She was, uh, was she home at the same time? Yes, yes. Because uh, she was, she was home. Yeah, that was four years ago. Uh, <laughs> I think she was working from home, but but I think so, working, yeah. yeah. She would have to go into an office mm-hmm. every once in a while. Okay. Did you find that difficult? Like if you weren't home for the first little bit and then coming back, your roles sort of shift. Did you find that difficult to figure out? Or, or, I mean, you guys sound like you're an amazing communicator. So um, Um, (laughs) you could have just been like easy peasy. So I'm going to caveat this conversation with, I I am trying to be a great communicator. If I were to pull Britt in and say, hey, you know, babe, am I a great communicator? Her answer would be like, no, you're not. And that is like our number one thing that I am always trying to work on. And credit to her, she's just always broken record. You know, um, <laughs> how she hasn't thrown things at me is is probably you know beyond me. But anyway, um, the hardest thing on that front is wasn't like the caring for the baby because I I 
you know, for the first three months I, I had been involved and when she was up, I was up and I was trying to really learn that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was the, the, the fundamental hardest part would be, you know, not doing things I necessarily want to do because I have, I have Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like if I want to do something or it's in my brain, I, I'm like almost driven to a point to do it, Wh- whatever it is, like it could be mowing the lawn, it could be watering. Like I sound like a dad right now, but like <laughs> putting on my new balance shoes. No, it could be, um, it could be anything. Um, but and typically it's things around the house, but it could be anything. And, and just having that kind of stop to say, okay, you, you have this newborn, you just can't do that. That was so challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Me too. I mm-hmm. understand that. <laughs> I, I still feel that I way. I still so feel that yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. What, yeah. In the early days, when, you're, when you talk about, like, what did it look like in practicality in how the hour, like how the time went and the role that you played in terms of what it looked like taking care of Brit or what it looked like being up in the nights? Like what, what mm-hmm. did you, how did you take your role in and find places to be supportive? Um, again, maybe, you know, I think that's a good highlight of another challenge was, um, Brit is very independent. She is, she can, you know, do her own thing and and knows what to do and knows what she needs and will go and get it. Um, navigating that was very challenging because now, you know, instead of us just being, you know, together and we're kind of, you know, interdependent in a way, um, now she is kind of you know codependent with this little baby and i have to now anticipate or had to anticipate what she would you know want to need or um and, and so i think hopscotching from you know kind of being alongside her to now trying to be a step ahead of her was very challenging mm-hmm. to be honest um and i think in a lot of cases i probably failed or probably didn't do what exactly you know she needed at the moment but i thought she might um she's always been very communicative with me and, and tells me right off the hop when you know she needs something or what exactly she needs um and so i think if if i was to say like the challenging part about anticipating it is is really i guess it is that anticipation piece of what brit needs because i've never necessarily had to do that when we were right. just us two mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, that makes, makes sense, sense. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kim, uh, just going back to what you said about how you had so many conversations with new parents or people that had already had children, mm-hmm. a lot of those conversations are usually focused around the mother and the baby. Did you find that you had a good support system of like other dads? Because I find that mothers can be very open and vulnerable with each other and then they might tell their partner, but the dads don't seem to have that outlet as easily like we have it sort of mm-hmm. built in already just like in society and I don't I don't and that could just be my naivety but I I just no, don't no. think dads have that a lot of the time not to the extent um and, and it's a great great point that you made because um you know I had my brother-in-law who is you know had had Olivia my niece and so you know I was watching and, and kind of um you know chatting with him I also had my other brother-in-law on Brit's side who had you know two, uh, a little girl at that point um and so I think it was more observatory than actual discussion based mm-hmm. um but I would say on the whole just looking at how Brit interacted with like friends who had kids and then me um a lot of it came from you know, females. And a lot of it actually mm-hmm. came from even social media too, mm-hmm. right? Um, you get on some like dad Instagram accounts and 
certain, you know, that I think that that is certainly the the driver of how I was able to learn mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. But it's it was curiosity based. Like it was me going out into social media to get that and me, right. you know, or you, you know, Brit. <laughs> passing along books to me it's not like another dad came out of the blue and said hey you're probably struggling with x y and z here's a book um didn't have any of that it it mostly came either from me being curious or you know brit helping um wherever she stumbled across something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now that you've been on the other side Mm -hmm. and did you have friends afterwards were you like hey if you need to talk here (laughs) i am or would be a great person for that yeah i feel like you'd be so good with that uh, I did. I have uh, a cousin who had a, a little boy and him and I would chat regularly because he was, uh, you know, really anxious just about about being a dad. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, he had anxiety just in general. So uh, he used me as a sounding board. Um, a couple friends actually as well who uh, who were expecting. But I think there's just like this this like stigma around guys like I'll figure it out. Let's not reach out to, you know, another dad because I don't want to show weakness. And that, you know, that's bold, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, where are the pain points for dad? What do you, where do you think people are struggling but not talking about the fact that they're struggling there? Even when, when comes- you use the word helpless, I was mm-hmm. like, yes. Like, I don't think a lot of dads go into it thinking, oh, there might be a point where I feel helpless in our home life now, mm-hmm. where that was never the case yeah. before. Or incompetent yeah. when I'm used to feeling competent. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I, um, when there's a newborn, I felt the perfect word, incompetent. Like, again, I had absolutely no biological connection to keep a kid alive, Mm -hmm. right? Unless we decided to bottle feed, that's a whole different story. Um, You know, luckily, Britt was able to to breastfeed. And and so, um, you know, that was the preferred route. We made that choice and and all that fun stuff. But um, it was... I did feel helpless. And I think all dads feel helpless. Mm -hmm. And when dads feel helpless it kind of turns into mom taking the role and dad's kind of turning inward and, and either, you know, diving into work because that's where they feel helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just like reciprocates the stereotype that, you know, dads are the primary earner and mom's going to take care of the kids. Um, we're not about that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that for the majority of I'd say 90% of our relationship, Brit's been the primary earner. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done so well in her career and, and so, like, I, I don't believe in all of that BS. I believe, like, a dad should be crying and a dad, a kid should be seeing, you know, parents argue and, and having lively discussions and also seeing resolution on that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just my own personal opinion. And I'm sure there are some people who disagree with that. Um, I, I also believe that, like, dads just don't openly talk about it to each other. Like, there's, aside from social media, and there's only a select few kind of really tangible social media outlets out there uh, or Instagram pages. Um, that's just don't talk to about it. Like we don't talk to each other about, um, you know, relationship issues. We don't yeah. talk to each other about, hey, I felt absolutely helpless or like I felt really emotional because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And typically it has to do with kids, but it, sometimes it also has to do with just you and your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, the hardest part is like, and I try to say this to other people, it's like the first three months, four months of being, parents you're not partners you're roommates mm. like you have different functions um and that's hard because mm-hmm. like you are so before a kid you're so into each other and um you know you're watching your partner who's pregnant kind of bring a kid into this world and it's just it's amazing then the kid comes and it's just like sorry she's she's got a you know 
be, I mean, again, this is all breastfeeding dependent and whatnot, but, um, you know, she is primarily, you know, the caregiver and you're the caregiver of her. And now it's just like this very um, independent type of roommate situation. Is it lonely? Right? Did you feel like, did you feel lonely and, and maybe even guilty about feeling lonely? Like, I just, I think about how they'd be yeah. human to have needs and like be lonesome for your partner, but also feel like, well, that's not, that's not, I'm not allowed mm-hmm. to real, like that feels like I shouldn't feel that way because I'm, I don't know, there's a baby in the equation and I don't want to be selfish, yeah. but at the same time I miss her. I don't think it's a matter of like, you know, I think, I think it's certainly valid. I think a lot of people have the tendency to feel that way. Um, I think Brit is very, she's very aware of, you know, how others are feeling and and will kind of step up if, if let's say I was feeling, you know, lonely or something like that. I think she just inherently, before I even know it, or I even communicate that, she she's already sensed it and picked up on it. Um, I think the biggest kind of challenge is, you know, when it, we talk about love languages, mine is physical touch and words of affirmation. I mean, mm-hmm. you tell me that I'm doing a great job, and I'm on I'm on you know cloud nine, <laughs> and so um, that was uh, I think a little difficult because obviously you know, put myself in in a new mom's shoes. There's this thing that's clung to you breastfeeding and mm-hmm. like I don't want to touch this guy I don't want to touch anybody <laughs> leave me alone and so I respect that I think and and I I looked at that as in the sense of like um I, I totally understand I'm never gonna be resentful of that um but be that being the love language it was just like that was a challenge for me right because mm-hmm. it, it was how I communicate love um, and probably similar and with Brit, words of affirmation. Like there may have been less words of affirmation during that time too, because mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. just more, you know, a lot to do for herself. Like mm-hmm. she would have been hoping maybe for some words of affirmation towards herself. Yeah, <laughs> about all the work yeah. she was doing. Yeah. yeah. So with Brit, it's she is very much uh, acts of service and gift giving. Um, words of affirmation, and physical touch, do nothing. And so like we are just butting heads because I'm like, hey, give me love and hug me, and she's like, just. Can you just do the laundry unprompted? <laughs> that would just speak volumes. I love uh, that you know. So I love that too. Love language. It's like that makes me so happy. <laughs> it, we've, we've, Britt and I have, uh, I mean, I would say this is mostly, if not 99%, her kind of saying, hey, let's, let's do this together and let's learn about love languages or let's, you know, do this vision board together or whatever. Um, because I think, you know, she, she knows that I'm a very linear thinker. I'm a very, um, I need to see it and do it and it has to be tangible for me to absorb it. Uh-huh. Right. I'm not good theoretically. Uh, and so um, she is kind of low, knowing that she's, and she's driving all of those kind of, you know, growing um, opportunities for us. But yes, the love language things is, it's a real, even to this day, um, it's, it's a real, I wouldn't say issue, but probably point of contention mm-hmm. because even though I know it is acts of service and even though I know it's gifts giving for her, um, I'll still go and, you know, give her a tap on the butt or like give her a mm-hmm. hug. It doesn't resonate with her the way it would resonate with me if she were to do that to me. And that's, that's just our love language. That's, mm-hmm. that's how we operate. It's like Homer's um, bowling ball, for me, right? it's, Sorry? <laughs> that's like Homer's bowling ball for Marjorie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hopefully some of the listeners get that as a Simpsons reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you don't, then you got to watch the Simpsons. I, I'm, I had chills when you were talking about feeling incompetent and feeling helpless. And I just wonder mm-hmm. what helps, like what would help someone shift that 
if you're in that, if you, if you, if people became more aware, like you might feel that way, just so you know, and like validate that feeling and be prepared for it, then what helps get out of it? What helps shift from feeling helpless and incompetent into feeling more of a place of confidence? That's a great point. And I've never actually given that thought, I think, until this moment. And my, but my answers kind of naturally came in the sense of when I feel and I think majority of males, dads, you know, people in, in a similar position to me, um, when they feel incompetent and they feel helpless, I think that can come out as defensive and come out as frustrated and come out. And it's just internalizing and, and really coming to the sense of what that fear or anxiety is that is showing up as defensiveness or showing up as you know, frustration. Um, and so I think there's, there's definitely a self-awareness piece that I think dads aren't open enough about mm-hmm. um and including myself i'm not by perfect by any means i am a very defensive individual and again it's something that i will always probably continue to to try to work on and um but when i'm feeling helpless i feel frustrated and i feel defensive and you know i i react a lot more and so i think you know having that awareness or at least you know having a partner calling out hey why why are you being more defensive or why are you being frustrated or why are you reacting to the, your kids and not having the same amount of patience um i think a lot of dads need to kind of take a step back and say okay what really is is driving this reactivity and it takes a lot of work yeah i think it takes a lot of um self-worth uh, i think it i think it takes a lot of self-worth to be able to Thank look you. at yes. your uh, to be able to sit in that feeling of like, wait a second, this is a pretty vulnerable space for me, and I don't feel I don't feel competent, and I don't like how that feels, mm-hmm. and and that's why I'm reacting this way. Like to make that about an internal thing instead of an external thing, really mm-hmm. does need a certain baseline of of self of self worth. Yeah, and and I I totally agree with you, and I think that there is a level of. Um, I would say there's an opportunity for partners, you know, dads to kind of put away any sort of, um, oh, I'm completely having a brain for here, but it, what I'm trying to say is, like you ego? know, dads, like put a, sorry, were you going to say ego, put it, uh, yeah, you, ego, ego, um, put away your ego and, you know, have that, first of all, like you have that reflection. Secondly, once you understand that, have that communication. Yeah. Because what what when we're feeling helpless, when I'm feeling helpless and I'm, you know, by proxy defensive or reactive, I'm just looking for a way out of feeling defensive. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm looking for an action plan. I'm looking for very tangible goals that I could look towards to give me some direction to get there. Um, and so that was only going to help if you have input from your partner. Right. Of what to know and what so, to do. Yeah. So, How can I be less helpless. Let us just tell you about one of our sponsors, Central Coastal PEI. We are so excited to have them join us this season and that they invited us to spend the night at the Meridian 63 Luxury Camping in Bonsha PEI. Oh my goodness, we had the most restful night in this beautiful, stunning nature. We had a bonfire. We were looking out at the stars and I couldn't believe we were doing that so comfortably. (laughs) None of the downsides of camping. (laughs) (laughs) And we were so close to town. Feels like you're far out, but you're 
not actually it's everything. A short drive. Yeah, Central Coastal Drive is actually super close to Charlottetown, so it's the perfect spot to stay if you're visiting the island and want to investigate and venture a whole bunch of different spots. Or if you just want a little getaway and you're from here, it is such a nice place to curl up and retreat and just really enjoy what PEI has to offer. You can do some mountain biking or fat biking at Brookvale. We went for a beautiful hike through the property at Strathgartney Provincial Park and Bonja Hills. And let me tell you, after that beautiful hike, we were so <laughs> hungry. So hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to Lone Oak Brewery and had a delicious dinner and some very tasty beer. <laughs> very, very tasty. And then we even capped the night off with some cider um, from Riverdale Orchard. I'll tell you, we were getting wild, you guys. Two drinks. Wild gals. <laughs> Central Coastal PEI offers so many wonderful things, including... Island Hill Farm. I don't know if you have been, but my (gasps) girls absolutely love those baby goats. And I think, Alyssa, your family has a pass. We have a pass. (laughs) Frequent visitors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we love it. Central Coastal Drive is an incredible, incredible spot to adventure. We hope you love it. They're going to have really cool itineraries all season long, summer into fall. Check out their socials at Central Coastal PEI. I, I like 10 out of 10 recommend, really. Me too. Go to www.centralcoastalpei.com to find out more. If a new dad came to you and said, I'm feeling, like, let's say he could verbalize it or you helped him verbalize it. Sounds like you're feeling a bit helpless and incompetent. How would you, what would you suggest he do? I think, I mean, I think identifying it first, right? Like it's, if, a, if a dad came to me, I don't think it would, it would be, hey, you know, buddy, I'm, I'm, you know, feeling yeah. <laughs> uh, defensive or not defensive, helpless Wouldn't and incompetent. Great yeah, like, <laughs> I just like I, I don't think a dad would ever come to me, yeah, and right. I don't think dads come to each other already at that step. I think they come to each other saying like, "Yeah, I've just been pissed off lately." Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's yeah, going to be that. That's fair. Whatever mm-hmm. is showing on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, I think from there, that's where you know I or other dads would just say, you know, like what is it? What aspect of your life is pissing you off? Is it work? Is it home? Is it that, you know, your wife has just been, um, or your partner has been kind of nonstop about like things that they need. And, you know, I, I, I hate using this word, but like a nag, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't ever use that in a relationship, but I don't know how else to verbalize it in this moment. Um, and like all of that, you know, when, in my opinion, says a lot about what the core issue is and nine times out of ten that core issue is going to be that yeah you know the dad is is being incompetent in some way that is not resonating with mom or mm-hmm. their partner and then let's say you got to that point then what what might you help them do next once they once they name or can figure out you're right that actually is the root feeling here mm-hmm. um i think first things like talk talk to them Mm-hmm. Talk to them saying, you know, there's definitely a gap. There is some sort of barrier between us. Um, there's a lot of resentment on your part. Um, what What is it that I'm not doing? Or what am I doing correctly that I can be doing better on? Mm-hmm. And being willing and think, to take that feedback again, there's some self-worth, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like to say, to create the emotional safety for both people, want for the someone to share their idea and feedback and the other mm-hmm. person to be willing to receive it openly mm-hmm. without too much defensiveness and and not just hear that as you're, so you think I suck. It's hearing yeah. it more as like, I, I'm doing a pretty good job and I could be doing an even better job mm-hmm. in these specific <laughs> ways. Got it. Mm-hmm. I so, think that that yeah, part's I mean, hard for people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think you you nailed on two things that I, I, I would love to unpack. And that is the first is the defensive. The secondly is or sorry, the first thing is defensiveness. Um and and so if we were to talk about defensiveness in a whole, like I I, I think I said it previously, but I'm a very defensive person. Um and so, you know, dads aside, and just to answer kind of our first question, your first question is, you know, my my um recommendation or what I would, you know, chat to another dad about would be talk to your wife and just accept the feedback and work together as a plan to action that. Um, and now let's like fast forward to my life where I am very defensive and I still to this day with you know, two kids and being in a role of a dad for four years, still get defensive and still turn inwards and still kind of feel incompetent. And it's not like there's no magic bullet. I mm -hmm. think it's always going to be something mm -hmm. um, like I even see it in my dad. To be honest, mm -hmm. right? So well said. You know, they've been married yeah, for 40 so years. Well said. Um, and so I think um, as long as you're kind of working to recognize those signs of helplessness, yeah. um, incompetence, and then having that communication strategy is the reason yeah. for helplessness and incompetence is going to differ. Right. It's not always going to be this exact same thing, mm -hmm. right? It's going to differ depending on what your needs of your partner are. It's going to differ depending on, you know, what the needs of your kids are, what life stage you're at. It's right. always dynamic. It's always changing. Um, but I think that's probably one of the hardest things that we are still trying to navigate for Britt and I is, is that defensiveness right. for me. Like almost and to go often, in and tolerate that feeling and be familiar with your own defensive pattern to say, if I just, st I'm going to feel defensive, I'm going to sit with it. I'm just going to sit with this old defensiveness until I hear what she's saying. <laughs> and then I trust myself enough because that's the, I just keep thinking you'd have to trust yourself enough to, to let the defes defensiveness come up and like a, a wave, like rise up and fall and trust yeah. yourself that whatever the feedback is, you actually can figure it out, that you're good at figuring stuff out. And so even if it initially feels intimidating and initially creates defensiveness, there is a version of you in the future that is going to mm -hmm. nail it and be, and then ultimately get to that point of feeling really confident. That's that's what you would have yes. to have to do that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the goal. So if yeah. I can get there, no issues in the world. Um, you know, I think for me, defensiveness isn't necessarily hope, uh, you know, incompetence. Like, I think at this point where my kids are, you know, established, they're, they're older, um, I know the role of being a dad, I know what to do to keep, you know, keep kids moving. It is more of guilt. And so mm -hmm. my defensiveness is no longer helplessness. My defensiveness mm -hmm. is guilt mm -hmm. because I know. Ooh, children again. <laughs> yeah. You honest Ooh. man. <laughs> That's so good. And, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate that. But I also want, again, caveat is that, like, I, I think it's it's still something we work towards weekly, right? Um, I think for me, when I am, so when I get called out on something that is, you know, uh, maybe something I've missed or, you know, we've chatted about it last week and I've still, you know, I did it for a couple couple days and, and then I kind of went on and, and forgot, you know, to mm -hmm. kind of keep it top of mind type of thing. Um, whatever that looks like. Um, I, when it gets brought up in the future, yes. um, I get defensive mm -hmm. and I'm mm -hmm. defensive because, you know, I missed it and I, I forgot about it and I dropped the ball again and I feel so, so guilty about mm -hmm. doing that because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't want to let Britt down. Um, I don't want to kind of let kids down. I don't, it comes not comes from a place of like, you know, 
my wife's on this pedestal and I, mm-hmm. I don't want to like, you know, right. all the sun rises and sets. It's like, you know, the, uh, the things that are, are, we're talking about, you know, maybe it's, it's laundry around the house. Maybe it's, you know, not just throwing things at the bottom of the stairs and hoping that they magically go away. Um, <laughs> or like, and you, you laugh because I feel like you're probably in the same boat. Yes, I mean, I have yeah. Meg would say, I leave <laughs> things and magically hope they go away. <laughs> He's looking at you. He's like, yeah, this is the right like, so what was your plan with those dishes? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, imperfect yes. right here. Uh, but, um, but it's also like, you know, another thing that I think I, I, I want and need to get so much better on is like planning, right? Mm-hmm. Planning for birthdays, planning for Christmas, planning for any holiday. Um, you know, Brit takes that role as it is right now. Um, and and I think it's, you know, she thinks about it in months in advance and she has that creative side and she's just like, and, and it turns out to be like this magical thing where like, you know, the Easter egg hunt, for example, like you just see the joy in the kid's eyes and I love every moment of it mm-hmm. and I want to be there. And, but I get defensive and guilty because mm. I wasn't playing, a, you know, an active role in it, mm-hmm. but I still want that outcome. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, how can you not want to do it and still want it to happen right. as a partner? And mm-hmm. that it's frustrating for her. It's mm-hmm. frustrating for me because I feel guilty and I don't think about it soon enough, right? To like to go into that planning and I don't put the thought into the creative side of it. Mm-hmm. That mental load um, of parenthood. That meant oh that the those two words, mental load, mm-hmm. I think is is something that i is is consistently in my brain and mm-hmm. something that um you know i think one of my greatest weaknesses as a dad is to understanding and being proactive and carrying that mental load mm-hmm. uh, it comes from you know a couple things and um you know brit is very um organized she's especially she's very... organized like that's her suit she would be a superpower level organization right yeah. so yeah. I, and and so like she's on top of things she's got you know a planner and i think she um she just inherently remembers and thinks about things like months mm-hmm. before i do mm-hmm. um and so like a huge deficit from from me like that is something that i am i'm just like trying to grasp and but it's extraordinarily hard for me to grasp because i'm more of like we're gonna wait till a couple weeks before and then you know we'll give it some thought and then Mm -hmm. like the week before then we'll kind of dive into it you know when all of the stores no longer have easter stuff is when nick's (laughs) going to the store right to get easter stuff and like i i hate having that stereotype Mm because like it's like you know when you go to a mall at christmas eve and it's only dad's shopping there because I, and I me. That, like, <laughs> I'm there too. <laughs> you're like, okay, fair, okay, thank you. But like, I, I hate the reality of it. Mm. And I, I'm trying to get from not living it um, and, and or, I'm trying to get to not like living it and being that person. It's just hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not doing it. And that's, well, that's something like that a, I'm always trying to work on. That's such a societal issue, I think. Like we're... we're even when we're trying to break those issues in society, the way people go about it can be a little icky sometimes. Like there's a, I don't know who it is on Instagram, but there's like a little thing like your wife is your partner, not your mom. And I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I know you're mean, you mean well, but also why the mom? Mm. <laughs> why, why, <laughs> why is the mom the only one doing the things? 
in that, like we're trying to break that cycle, but we're mm. still like that yeah. actually didn't break it. Cause then you're just comparing to your father's wife. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's mm. the same. So societally, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. The, and like I've, I've seen that and I've, um, well, wait a sec. I understand when you, like the intent. So yeah, I the intent is good. I didn't mean to interrupt. Message still icky. <laughs> when you um, when you actively have tried to shift it, like in your mind, you're like, okay, this holiday, I'm no longer falling into the old pattern. What becomes the block? Like, are, is there fear? Is there um, like, let's say that because you, you, when you're yeah. intentional, you're very intentional. <laughs> Do you worry Sorry. you'll get it wrong? Like, what happens? So I, I think it, I've never actually, I've never unpacked that. Um, Kaylee, I'll get so you. Easter, <laughs> yeah, Kaylee, Kaylee's dragging it out right now. Um, Easter is a perfect example this past, this past Easter holiday. And so, um, you know, we had Ellery's birthday in early May, like she, she's born first day of spring and Brit kind of led that. And she, she did the party and like, you know, I, I have my tasks and, but even like that in itself, like she shouldn't have to tell me my tasks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I should just say, okay, like let's get a list of stuff together and let's go on it. It's not like you do the list and tell me what I need to do. Um, and I, I, I understand that. And it, I'm probably sounding like such a hypocrite and a, you know, a-hole to listeners. No, but like, you sound no. so I, self-aware. I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Um, and I said, you know what, like for, for uh, Easter, I, I'm going to take the lead. I want to take the lead on this. And so we get to, you know, two weeks prior to Easter, a week, a week and a half prior to Easter. And in conversation, but it's like, yeah, I got all the Easter stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like that, I probably wouldn't have actioned that for like two days and she's already done it all. Mm-hmm. And like, I had set up, um, you know, just plans with my family. I, know, I to just do like got a, a dirty look there. <laughs> <laughs> just that so, sometimes it's really hard. It's hard to, to let it go. I, 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 yeah, like to trust mm-hmm. for her to trust, right? And because, well, she's not here, but I wish I have, would love to talk to her about that because I can. I have a lot of understanding of why why she went and did that, and also how that could feel like popping your balloon when you really mm-hmm. were planning on doing it mm-hmm. this time. No, no, and I, I think it's because so, so I don't want to say like that she went out because like she didn't trust me to do it. I think she, what she was trying to avoid was me going out last minute and not, you know, walking into an empty dollarama. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, is that different? Like, like, trying is to that different? You, yeah, but actually, she's just <laughs> actually both of you in that. Well, not to speak for her, but. For me, like a list, that's a listen that's move. That's what I ever heard one. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> like I'm going to protect everybody's feelings, and everyone's going to feel great because I'm going to take care of everything. And then you actually end up kind of hurting the other person's feelings because they were like, "Well, I was, I was going to do that. Like, just you got to give me enough time to do it." Yeah, um, I, I think you? I think there's were definitely you? that aspect. Um, were you actually? I also think it? that like maybe maybe there's a certain level of distrust because I haven't necessarily proven it mm-hmm. you know right. what I mean like I think that's also a very yeah, yeah valid it's point. not a proven but in your heart do you think you were going to do it or were you relieved when <laughs> she did it um column A column B right and for and I'm going to say that really truthfully because column A is like I probably would have remembered two days later three days before and like gone to do it right and at that point picked over stores you're not kind of you know getting 
But that's a natural consequence that you may have then in your body remembered and given you the impetus to change how you did it in a future year. Or maybe you would have spontaneously come up with something cool. I know that when I release the grip and let Greg do things his way, he usually does it in a really cool, different way than I would have done it. And it, and I'm always like, wow, there is more than one way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and your way is actually, Great. I would never have thought yeah. of it, but I actually really like it. Like it, sometimes yeah. I just have to um, just trust that, like trust that there is more than one way. And even if you go, cause he's a, he loves the last minute shop for Christmas and for different things like, and he, but he, he pulls it off. And so I have stopped (laughs) making that be a problem for, cause it's, it's really me managing my stress around. That's not how I would do it. That's stressful for for me. But if I trust enough that he, it will, no one is getting a reduced experience and he doesn't Mm -hmm. find it that stressful. He likes to do it that way. Really? What's the problem? Mm -hmm. I just, I I think that with this Easter situation, you're, you're giving such a good relatable experience. Yes. Like that is so bang on of what happens in that dynamic. It's not to villainize either person. It's that both people, like you're having a lot of understanding. She was having a lot of understanding. Like it, it's coming from this place of love, but it can reinforce the pattern accidentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it does do that. And like to your point and, you know, good job, Greg, the background, <laughs> man, but, um, you know, for, for, for me, I don't think I've had the opportunity to pull it off, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like so you I mean, to have the opportunity to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Sorry? I would like you to have the opportunity to pull it off. Uh, would you like to have the opportunity to pull it off? Oh, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And, but in, I think, you know, for me, in order to do that understanding, you know, Brit's, Brit's modus operandi is, I think I have to pull it off sooner <laughs> than than you know a week out mm-hmm. um and i think like and then rightfully so i mean i think if is i was it in her shoes so? i would, I would Listen, you know i love brit to the end of the earth but is it actually does it have to be a week out does it have to <laughs> i love you brit. Have to? <laughs> i am like, you, brit. The, i understand she's gonna listen she's gonna call you <laughs> <laughs> like, she is we're using you as a placeholder for all so for many all of, us, of yeah. us right like this is a very um i that is that is coming from a good place, right? Mm-hmm. But is it true? Does it ever give you the chance to re- re- reduce the load she carries if you're not allowed to actually carry the weight, like the actual consequences oh, of it? Absolutely. Like we we have we have done, you know, coaching. Brendan and I we've um, you know, chatted with uh, a really talented individual. Her name is Allison Villa, um, and you know, chatting about just that is like in order for for Brit, me to carry the load, it has to be on my time because my time is not her time. Mm-hmm. Right, her time is is my time minus two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but you know, the consequence of that is like is failure. And so, on my my side, and and if I'm going on my time, there's a real chance, or not a real chance, but there is a chance that you know it might not turn out to her vision. Mm-hmm. It probably won't turn out to her vision. Mm-hmm. It might. There's a chance that it might even not turn out. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but that is something that. I need to understand is a real consequence of me being late in X, Y, and Z, or me, um, you know, not thinking about it till the last minute or thinking about it till like it's a need and not necessarily a want. Mm-hmm. And also who's um, to say that if it's her, if it's her vision and like your vision matters too, right? Like it, it would, uh, if, if, 
How do I say it? it? I just keep thinking that if you have the risk of the failure, the consequences on you, it's not just about failing to meet someone else's vision, but it's allowing, that's when you start to become the person who makes the list. That's when you start to become part of the vision making process because you have carried it equal, like you have actually carried the weight of it as opposed yeah. to being an execution person of someone else's vision is then you're going to feel really, really, it's very risky to try to match someone else's vision as opposed 100%. to feeling the ownership to say, I have a vision or we have a shared vision and we both value each other's input on this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate you saying that because I think that's something that is, is again, a huge, uh, like that that's something that's a huge deficit right now in our our relationship, especially when it comes to like planning for things and and being on like a kind of creative side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we talk about the cottage build or when we talk about you know any renovations we're doing or like stuff that has to get down around the house like that, that's my vision, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. like i'm I'm the one who kind of can think months out and mm-hmm. strategically plan. But when it comes to things that are like focused on holidays or focused on like birthdays or birthday parties and stuff like that, um, you know, that's that's where kind of Brit has that vision. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done a lot to incorporate her vision into the building side of things and like just mm-hmm. running the homes and properties and stuff like that. Um, and I think now we need to, and I would love to kind of build my vision into it, but it's not just build a vision. It's like, I I think I still need to like create a vision. Like I don't even know what that looks like. Because right now you're trying to just not disappoint the established vision. Mm. And usually when people, yeah, in this specific zone. I think that that's, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like I really appreciate you saying that because I think that is an established vision. um, And it's something that has been driven by by Brit for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I mean, the, but the proof is in the pudding because like, it's magical. Like when the kids are doing <laughs> yes. these things, like it is magical. Right. Like, and you she can't argue so with magic. Cool you can't things. argue with magic. <laughs> no. But, but we, Nick, you, you are also magical. Like you also have the ability to bring magic to those to those kids like i would say the magic in the presence like in the not physical presence like 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 your your bodily presence (laughs) your mental presence because we can have these beautiful visions at least for me i do this like i i think okay i'm gonna make it this way and it's gonna be perfect because i have these party decorations or whatever and honestly my child would be just so happy if we just went outside and played in the mud puddle for five hours like he wouldn't know you know like it's those moments are so magical for the kids but it really hasn't doesn't really have anything to do yeah, with it, a lot of our Yeah, vision. and it makes me think that sometimes when I'm in somebody else's setup, I'm comparing myself to if I could have done that setup mm-hmm. and I'm looking around, I'm like, nope, I wouldn't have thought to do that. I wouldn't have thought to do that. I wouldn't have made, like it, mm-hmm. I'm feeling yeah. less than by comparison to someone else's, um, like what they executed that was out of their mind. But mm-hmm. it's not true that you, what you could come up with would necessarily be worse. Just mm-hmm. because it's different, it doesn't mean the kids would experience it as worse or less magical. Yeah. I, there may be less decorations. I, <laughs> That's... I believe, I believe what you're saying. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> it's again I, theoretical. I, <laughs> yeah. I know. I get I it. I, say, I, just, I don't want to, you know. And this, is, this probably just comes like back that. to some childhood stuff that we don't, we won't get into, but it's likely around anxiety to do with, like that would have to be connected to what is the risk of my kids missing out on this? Like where, yeah. how secure do I feel in releasing mm-hmm. the grip on this? Or am I really tight on the grip on this because I want to ensure they receive something that I don't think I receive. So I'm not willing to risk that they don't experience it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think there may be an element for coming from that place. And then for you, potentially with a little more security around it, we were thinking like, I don't know, Easter was pretty good. It, it feel I, that's just a yeah a little bit of a guess. No, I, I think you're totally about like I'm going to walk away from this session and like really give give some thought to this because like I think I think for for somebody who's in you know Brit's shoes, um, she's thinking like you know I've never necessarily proven success on that, mm-hmm. um, and so you know I think I have to prove it in in kind of her timeline. And then, then there's comfort in me proving in my timeline. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In terms of like preparing for something. Um, And I think, you know, for just, just objectively creative wise, I think she, she's much more creative than I am. I mean, decorations and like we had Ellery's party and it was like a, a old McDonald had a farm themed party (laughs) and like, it's just like, I don't know. It was, it was awesome. Like even down to the details. Uh, it it's was, so it was sweet amazing. how much you 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 cherish her skills mm-hmm. and you give so much credit Absolutely. where credits due. Mm-hmm. That's such yeah. a lovely. And it quality. goes both ways. Like I think, yeah. you know, going back to the the Reno of her first house. Like she walked in and she was just like, "I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't see <laughs> what's going to happen here. There's dirt on, you know. There's there's somehow it was, and I say this without joking, it was less dirty." after demolition <laughs> and I'll, I'll send you i'll send you pictures like after but it was it was absolutely just rancid this place um but she walked in and she used to think like what, how are we going to move a wall and how are we going to take this down and and you know i think at that point and any any kind of renovation type of work i have that vision and yeah. it's like she she trusts me right mm-hmm. um and then kind of fast forward to like birthday parties or christmas or stuff like that you know i i love her vision and I, I cherish her vision because mm-hmm. it just visually looks amazing and the kids have such a great time. She like always has these fun things to do. So I don't want to say it's very one-sided. I just think it's, it's um, you know, more often than not on her kind of creative vision than mine. Because mm-hmm. like we're going to have a birthday party more often than we're going to renovate a house. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> so, That's a, more, like, a little bit more of an annual. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah there's, there's a, society also might... Like in her, I wonder if part of it is who gets criticized if Easter isn't magical, mm-hmm. right? Like who who does that mm. fall on? Oh, that's a great, that's a great I like that. point. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. Like another reason why, like objectively, I think it's it's there's so much more like emphasis on moms to be perfect than there is dads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it drives luckily, me effing crazy. Yeah, but, luckily we have but, that like built-in open conversation support. But it comes with a lot of comparison, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I totally, totally agree with you. And I don't like any aspect of that. Right. I hear you. <laughs> uh, I think that this this has been just such a wonderful conversation, Nick. Oh, I appreciate so you grateful. so much. 
I think oh, that this sort likewise. of nailing the the helplessness feelings and the incompetence feelings is going to it probably ring true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And understanding that that when that starts in those early days, to try and sit with that feeling, and there's things that you can do to to just like in the same way that we're talking about with Easter or birthday parties, being given the space to 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 fail, like being given the space to hold the weight. I think that can happen in early days of being a dad too, where it's mm-hmm. like, if mm-hmm. I can just mm-hmm. give you room to figure this out and trust that you can, trust that you can figure out how to soothe the baby and get them to sleep. Trust that you can figure out how to change the diaper, even if you're not that good at it for a while. Trust mm-hmm. that you can figure out how to do the bath. Like let there be room because competence and feeling helpful grows through developing skills and you can't mm-hmm. develop skills and trust in your own self if you're not given the chance to see those things mm-hmm. through and sort of fail along the way and practice and build up your it's not something like a light switch it's not like oh okay I got it I'm perfect at it now like there's going to be a skill discrepancy sometimes and we have to be able to have patience for the person with less skill to have the emotional safety to develop those skills so that the, the, it's shared and both people can feel like, wow, we are both skilled up here. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I think there probably is reality about cherishing each other's strengths and recognizing mm-hmm. some people, like I may have these strengths, you may have these strengths. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just be happy yeah. about that. Good thing we <laughs> are covering different bases here, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a mi- mix of both. Yeah. You said something, like, I think like a while ago, Kaylee, we and I, you and I were just chatting, but it was, um, oh, it was on our one-on-one with the um, Great and Calm. Mm-hmm. For sure. And you said something like uh to the effect of you know, we we understand each other's role to like for the house and for the family. And we have to respect that role for the house and for the family. And in some cases it will fall into the stereotypical roles. In other cases it won't. Um, but I think if you are aligned with your partner on on that, yeah. Um, I, I think that's magical. That is a recipe for the house to just move. Because the house is like running a business, it mm-hmm. has to yeah, you know, constantly be working. Um but, you know, I think where a, myself included, a lot of dads fall short is that mental load piece. Right. And so, you know, there's no way that moms can take 70% of that mental load or even 90% of that mental load and dads get the 30 or 10%. Um, you know, th- that's that's not fair. And that's where resentment builds in. And that's where you get into frustration. That's where people t- tend to just like, you know, turn inward and, and um, get frustrated, not explain and communicate. Um, and so the reason, the way to get out of that is like you communicate it. And typically, you know, for in our dynamic, it's Brit communicating that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and where I think the big issue is, and, and one of the things that I am, trans- in the, you know, all things transparency is going to, you know, trying to learn and do better on is actioning that in a very sustainable way mm-hmm. and not just for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll probably continue to work on for a while. I love uh, but, that. I love the yeah, willingness to work on mm-hmm. it. The willingness to say, "I this is, yeah, this is, you're right. Just to validate, like, you are not wrong when you say that you feel that you're caring more than I am in this area. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hear you. And I... I'm taking that in and I'm and I'm actually going to try and action it and explore it and unpack what my mm-hmm. barriers are to it. And and then letting that be an open conversation where there's a, a like it's a it's a system, right? Like she has a role just like you have a role in how that's playing out. It's partly about you actioning it in a specific way and partly about her creating the space 
to let you do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Well, thank my you so goodness. much. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us your perspective. And yeah, yeah, this this was an absolute treat. Thank it you so was. much for coming on. Thank you, Nick. Oh, thank you for having me. I hope you guys have a very sunny day out. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you yeah. too.